When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everybody, it's Dan and welcome to our Orange and Brown Talk Roundtable podcast. We are wrapping up our draft series this week looking at Andrew Barry picks by drafting Andrew Barry's draft picks. So Mary Kay Cabot, Doug Marie Scott Patsko, Ashley Bastock, and I pick 20 players. So uh, we leave a few players out, but we go through and we pick 20 players in the draft of Andrew Barry draft picks. I, I say it off the top, but seriously, this is a drinking game for your weekend. Every time the word draft is uttered, just... Take a drink. Uh, okay, if you're not a Football Insider subscriber, Cleveland.com slash browse the blue banner at the top of the page. Get info, get signed up, get that newsletter delivered straight to your inbox every single day. Become one of our tech subscribers. And, of course, get access to exclusive stories on Cleveland.com slash Browns. And make sure you're subscribed to our podcast wherever you listen to your podcast. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, just search Orange and Brown Talk. You will find us. Hit that subscribe button. Uh, so these show up right on your phone or your device as soon as they publish. All right, here we go. Our draft of Andrew Barry draft picks on the Orange Brown Talk podcast. Here we go on our roundtable Orange and Brown Talk podcast for the weekend. Leading you into Monday, we are going to continue our Andrew Barry draft series by drafting draft picks. So, look, it's the weekend. Take a drink every time we say the word draft. And enjoy yourself this weekend. Uh, let's get to it. We're going to do a snake draft like we did for the uh, the crossover Ohio State Orange and Brown Talk pod. Uh, Doug has made us believers, or at least he's made uh, me and Ashley believers in, in the snake draft. So we will continue that tradition. It's going to go Doug first, me second, Scott third, Mary Kay fourth, Ashley fifth, and then we'll just wrap it around in reverse uh, for round two. So Doug, we were talking before we hit record that this is really kind of like a three or four player draft. And then it's kind of projection. It's kind of, what do you think a guy is going to do or how bullish are you on a guy? So it's kind of good to be drafting first here. Who do you have? I'm going to take a Cobra. I just thought it was funny. Like we're doing a snake draft. I take Cobra. Cobra's like the best snake, right? (laughs) I think that it does make me a little nervous when everyone's like, oh, well, there's like an obvious number one pick. And I'm like, is it the number one pick that I think is the number one pick? I think it's the pick. I think it's the number one pick, but I don't want to make it up. I don't know if there's an odd, like, I think there's two players we each would choose, but I don't know. It's obvious who everyone would choose. So I guess again, I, and we also, and again, people like talking about podcasts on the podcast. That's good podcasting. When we were talking about what is the podcast, what is this? Are we taking the best players? Are we taking the best pick? And I think we sort of arrived at, we're taking the best players, but I do think how you were picked, where you were picked does influence it, at least in my mind, some. So I'll take Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa. As a second round pick, the value they got there, a guy who was projected as a first round pick, he falls out of the first round, they move up, they get him in the second round, and then they figure out how to use him. And if people thought he was a tweener and at other places they weren't sure what he was and the Browns were like, awesome. He's a linebacker who can cover. That's what we want. It feels like this guy is, 
he's been here a year and he it feels like he's a, you know a foundational piece of what they're gonna do I think there are not a million guys like him and maybe you can view that as a bad thing when you're drafting if you don't know what that means but then once you have him you're like oh we've kind of got a rare dude here so JOK at number one because of who he is but also how they got him and the value of getting him to me was my obvious number one Okay, so I'm going to jump in here because I have the next pick. And we're just going to talk about these two guys. Because I, I feel like this is probably who is top two on everyone's board. So my pick and the guy who was on the top of my board is the other player from that draft. And that's Greg Newsom. So I, I just think he was really good his rookie year. I, I think he delivered on the promise that he brought to this team. I, I thought... I think him and Denzel Ward, I can close my eyes and see them paired up for a long time here. Um, whether the, we've talked a lot about Greg playing in the slot or playing outside, however that looks, I see those two as a combo for a long time. And I just thought Greg Newsom was really impressive in his rookie year. And I think, I think he's the best player that Andrew Barry has drafted. Doug, obviously you think it's Jeremiah Usu-Koromoa. So I just wanted to make my pick here because I think that's the discussion off the top. Is it Greg Newsom one or is it JOK one? And so I'm curious, just jump in here. Who else had JOK number one? I had JOK number one. Okay. And that's why pre-podcast I offered to trade my other four picks to Doug to get the top pick because I knew he was going to go number one. For me, the reason I had him number one is kind of like what Doug touched on already. It's just his versatility and all the different ways they can use him. And, you know, I've, especially in these last couple of podcasts that we've done where we've been ranking these drafts, like, I have nothing really but praise for these two guys, and I'm excited to kind of see where they each go in that year two jump. But for me, when I'm projecting, I would say maybe I'm slightly more excited for JOK just because, again, like we talked about all the fluky things he had happen and the time he had to miss as a rookie. So if he gets like a full year under his belt this year, I'm, I'm just really excited to see how he continues to evolve and use his knowledge of the game to do so. I had JOK first um, as well for a lot of the reasons that uh, Doug and Ashley mentioned. And I just feel like he has so much upside potential. I feel like um, that his upside might even be a little higher than Greg's possibly just because he did have such a fluky, weird year filled with uh, little accidents and little injuries and different things like that. And I I think he can make uh, such a tremendous impact because he can be in on so many different kinds of plays Um, in, in order for Greg to make an impact for the most part, I mean, the ball kind of has to come his way, but I think that, you know, JOK can be involved more. So I think as you go along over the next couple of years, if he can get some of those forced fumbles and if he can get some of those sacks and grab some interceptions and be all over the place and make tackles and blitz and do all the things that he can do. uh, I just think he can be dynamite. And I think he's got pro bowl potential. I think he should end up in the pro bowl within the next couple of years, maybe even this year, he was ranked number 10th amongst linebackers. And as we mentioned in our 2022 review or our our 2021 review uh, the other day, uh, he was right up there. The guys, the three guys ahead of him were all pros. And so he's in some really, really good company. And I I think the arrow is pointing up. I I, I had JOK one, Newsom two. Um, I, 
And I almost, I almost moved JLK after I saw him shoot baskets the other day. I don't know if you saw that clip on, on Twitter. He missed, he basically airballed two, three pointers and had a really hard time making some bunnies, but no, I kept him there. I mean, he just, for the value, definitely. Um, and he just fit the need. He really reduced the Browns need to platoon so much at linebacker. He's a guy that could just keep out there. Um, and I don't think there's anybody else on this list that we expect more from in 2022. You might think Newsom's going to have a good year, but I think everybody expects JOK to build more off of what he did, or just there just to be more there based on what he was able to do as a rookie. Um, but I mean, Newsom, that made a lot of sense. That was just a good solid pick. And I think you put Newsom high just because it was a good pick, not necessarily because it was definitely value or anything like that. They guarded him against Greedy Williams uncertainty that nobody really knew what Greedy was going to be last year. And now, you know, it turned out he had a good year. So now he got quality depth and, you know, he could have the versatility to help them in the slot. So, you know, he's just, he could be a key to making the secondary work this year. Is part of this, as I listen to you guys talk and, and Doug, you were about to jump in there as part of this, like JOK is just a more interesting and exciting player than Newsom. Like, like Newsom at his best is just kind of out there covering guys. And like to hear you guys talk about JOK, it's like this guy can do like 10 different things. It's interesting because what's more valuable in the NFL generally, a corner or a linebacker? It's a corner. But the linebacker, and Scott has made this, he made this point multiple times, like he's not really a linebacker. He's like a safety linebacker, almost corner, depending at like a slot corner covering a tight end. He's so versatile. He does so many things. I do think it's possible, Dan, A, I think JOK is their best linebacker and Greg Newsom is not their best corner. So I think that comes into this kind of right that, but as the, as the guy to pair with Denzel Ward, I, there's, there's nothing else you'd want. Greg Newsom is doing everything. So uh, context matters, but I do think, JOK, to your point, Dan, probably maybe has more opportunity to do a few more spectacular things where it's like, oh, yeah, Greg Newsom covered that guy and the quarterback had to throw somewhere else. So a linebacker is the, the, the spot where offenses are targeting. That's where they want to get their mismatch. And, you know, the corners are going to cover. That's their job. They cover. But you want to get that linebacker in a situation that that is not good for the defense. And he he's the you know remedy for that. Does, does Greg Newsom have number one cornerback potential though? Like, like let's say Denzel Ward didn't exist on the Browns and the Browns drafted Greg Newsom because they just desperately needed a corner. Is there a world where he could be a number one someday in two to three years? Yeah. I mean, it is a tough position to play. It's a really, really tough position to play because uh, your great plays are really magnified and your blown coverages are magnified. So if you screw up, it's there for everybody to see. If the linebacker screws up, nobody has any idea who was supposed to have that guy, right? So you can get away with more uh, at the linebacker position. So I think that's uh, one of the things. I mean, there were times last year where I'm sure that that JOK wasn't really where he was supposed to be. And Joe Woods was, you know, probably wondering, my goodness, what am I going to do with this guy? Uh, but those are the rookie growing pains that you have uh, at that position. For Greg, uh, he has no margin for error. I mean, you get beat. We all, we are all going to see you get beat. I do think he has number one cornerback potential. I think he's got pro bowl potential. I really do. I think he does. I think he's got to get his hands on some footballs. I think he's 
got a very high football acumen. I think he's going to figure that part of it out. Uh, He can play inside and outside. And I think all those things are really good. So I would say, um, you know, the, the arrow is pointing out for him. He's trending really well as well, but there's something about JOK that's unique and special. And in today's game, uh, he is that new hybrid type of, of linebacker slash sort of safety. And with more emphasis now on excellent tight ends, you got to have somebody that, you know, that can cover that tight end yet. You want somebody that can disrupt the quarterback and, you know, whatever, force a fumble, make it, make a tackle on the, over on the sidelines, whatever the case may be, he can recover. He can cover backs out of the backfield. He can cover receivers. He's got the speed uh, to close very quickly. So I think that's it. I think it's his, um, all those different things that he can do in today's game. And that's why uh, that kind of hybrid type of linebacker now is going to be, I think, more of a premium position. The other thing for me too, that's like so exciting about him when you think back to this last year and even like the other day, the NFL network was replaying the chargers game. I forget who was calling the game, but at one point they were like raving about JOK because even early on in his rookie season, like he did so many things that maybe didn't show up in, in the stats, but there was like a play where he gets to Justin Herbert and he basically causes the whole play to collapse, even though he, doesn't get the sack or or the tackle he just you know made him panic basically and the play fell apart so I think like you see you saw glimpses like that throughout the year that just make him so exciting in terms of those hybrid abilities that he has but my last point is like sort of in the context of things I think when you look at where JOK was picked in the second round and where they went to get him and then it's always interesting just uh, you know you look at the five to eight guys picked around that player and think, oh, could, could they have taken somebody better? I, I don't think there's anybody better the Browns could have gotten at that spot. I'm not saying there's somebody better they could have gotten for Greg Newsom. I will be curious to see the role that Rashad Bateman plays in Baltimore this year. It felt like maybe that was the choice for the Browns, Greg Newsom or Rashad Bateman. Bateman goes the next pick, the receiver out of Minnesota. Could it be that down the line, it's like, oh, maybe the Browns should have taken Rashad Bateman. Maybe. I'm not, I'm not saying I would ever they should have. And then the other, like, I, I like that Eric Stokes guy from Georgia who was the next corner off the board, like three picks after Newsom. And if Newsom would have been gone, maybe the Browns would have gone there. I wonder sometimes if on social media outlets put up things that are wrong on purpose just to get attention. Might be a good strategy. I don't ever say things wrong on purpose to get attention. I just am dumb and say wrong things sometimes <laughs> and maybe coincidentally get attention. But PFF put up a, up a thing that was like best cornerback duo. And they had Xavier Howard and Byron Jones from Miami, Marlon Humphrey and Marcus Peters from Baltimore, Darius Slay and James Bradbury in Philly, because Bradbury just signed there, I think. And then they had Jair Alexander and Eric Stokes from Green Bay. So Alexander just got like paid on top of Denzel, right? And Stokes is a, is just played his rookie year when a couple picks after Greg Newsom and Greg Newsom commented on that PFF post with like the sleeping emojis, right? The sleeping emojis. But it's like, why did PF, why, why are Stokes and Alexander on that list and Ward and Newsom are not like, why is it just because they're trying to guess like, oh, let's get some Browns people riled up. Well, I'm riled up. (laughs) So it's like Stokes. Well, is Alexander better than Ward is Stokes better than Newsom? I think to me, it's more definitive that in that second round, JOK was the best they could do. Newsom at that pick in the first round was a very, very good pick. Might there be a guy around him who winds up being a little bit better? 
I think it's possible. And that's why I picked JOK first. So don't make me dig into my camera roll and find the graphics from 2016 that were comparing Cody Kessler and Tom Brady. <laughs> I, again, that is pure ignorance. <laughs> it's not a hot take if you're just being stupid. All right, Scott, you're up at number three. All right, this was really a choice between two guys for me. And in the end, I went, up, I went with Jedrick Wills. I don't know if anybody else is going to have him at three. I, I think there should be credit given for taking somebody that you should take. I mean, we saw the Browns try to patch together left tackle. Let's use an undrafted guy. Let's use a guy who didn't work out somewhere. You know, they, they could have really messed up, but they ended up taking Jedrick Wills. who had a, He had a good rookie year. He was really good as a pass protector. Didn't uh, follow what he did as a run blocker in college. Um, I'm willing to give him a mulligan on last season for all the injury reasons, um, just offensive issues in general. It was, it was Barry's first important draft pick and he got what he needed starting left tackle. There's still room for improvement, obviously, but I'm more optimistic than pessimistic on treasure quills. Um, again, yeah, there, there were other guys. There was that hand with four or five guys that a lot of people were kind of grouping together as, as options there. Um, certainly there was going to be somebody who, who maybe worked out better, you could point to Tristan Wirfs, um, but on this list, I think, I think Jedrick Wills belongs here. Uh, if not third, definitely in the top three or four. Did anybody else have Jedrick this high? No. No. Interesting. Haters. Haters. <laughs> so I didn't, I'll tell you like my thinking for why I didn't. Wirfs was part of it, right? Like when you look at the comparable picks, they maybe could have potentially gotten but two, when we've talked about Jed Wills recently, it's like the questions that have maybe like backhanded <laughs> or popped up about the, the work ethic stuff and the playing through the injury. And it just makes me a little concerned that I didn't want to put him in my top four. I had him like right outside of that. But it, it does. I think this is a huge year for him it's kind of almost like a make or break type year for him, I think, but I just couldn't justify putting him this high after this year and the things that we've heard, you know, Wyatt Teller, Joe Thomas kind of say about him and, and the work ethic part of it that I think still has to, to go a long way to be at a high caliber NFL level. Yeah. I do think that this is a, a very, very big year for, for Jed Wills because he has to get back to what he was able to do in his rookie year. And if he doesn't, if you remember um, the um, running back backs coach Stump Mitchell, when he came back to the team and he gave uh, a little interview, he started mentioning Joel Batonio and how great he played at left tackle. And that was a little bit of a surprise to me to, to, because that was, uh, the interview was actually conducted uh, in house and they, you know, it wasn't, you know, one of us that, you know, just got Stump Mitchell to say something and, and put it in there. No, this was uh, conducted by one of their own uh, in-house Browns reporters and Stump Mitchell was really singing the praises of Joel Batonio at left tackle. And that got me thinking, are they thinking about replacing Jed? At left tackle? I don't think so. They've said that he is their left tackle for this year. Um, maybe Stump just meant, you know, hey, we've got a really, really good backup plan if it doesn't work out. Um, but once again, yes, a lot of last year, I think, can be attributed 
uh, to the ankle injury and trying to fight through that and play on it when he, he really didn't want to and probably shouldn't have been. Uh, so he should be a lot better this year. But um, I also, um, you know, the, the bar is high there when, when I look at that position because uh, I was advocating that they signed Trent Williams that offseason. And he's just been tremendous. Now, it would have cost you some money, but you could have, um, you know, you could have gotten him and um, and maybe even still drafted a Tristan Wirfs or something like that. So um, so the bar is very high and he needs to live up to his potential. And that would mean when you're picked to number 10 overall, uh, you really want to be in the Pro Bowl at some point. So he's got to be trending towards Pro Bowl to live up to the number 10 pick. Now I want to drop a hot take. Oh boy. This is, can I make a prediction for 2023? Please. Brown's Brown's left tackle is Joel Batonio and the Brown's right tackle is Jed Wills. Could happen in 2022, (laughs) but I I mean, I, I feel like, I feel like Joel Batonio is the, he's like the red button and like Kevin Stefanski and Bill Callahan and Andrew Barry all have to put their keys in and turn them simultaneously and then hit the red button and Joel's (laughs) the left tackle. But I, it wouldn't shock me if Joel ended up at left tackle at some point. But as you prepare for like the post Conklin world, right. Where he's a big money guy signed a three-year contract. This is year three of that coming off an injury. Um, that would make sense to me. I don't, I mean, I, the, the idea that it's make or break, I don't think they're not going to get rid of him. I mean, this is his third year, right? I mean, he might, maybe he's just okay. I do think Worfs hangs over it a little bit. There were five tackles in that draft, right? We spent a lot of time talking about tackles. I loved Andrew Thomas. Andrew Thomas went fourth. He stinks. He wasn't that good. But Becton went after um, Jed Wills. Wirfs went 13th. And Wirfs, you're looking at PFF. PFF has Tristan Wirfs as the third best tackle in all the NFL right now. He went three picks in the same draft after Jed Wills. Jed Wills, like, is in their top 32 tackles. So, that context, I think, hurts him a little bit because in the idea of, is he the best guy they could have taken at that spot? No, Tristan Worst would have been better. It doesn't mean it's a bad pick, though. And I do think, Scott, when you look at all the people, like, who has the best chance to be a good player this year? The upside for Jed Wills, like healthy, get back to rookie year, Jedrick Wills, guy who was a 10th pick of the draft. Based off that, I think he is third. I think he's, I think he's the guy that you would pick here because – I'm not sure there's anybody who's any more certain to have a better year than Jed Wills. We're just a little bit on a, on a low ebb with him because he wasn't as good, partly because of injury in year two as he was in year one. Well, I guess we'll find out because Mary Kay, you are up at, at number four. If you want to make a case for a player that you think could have a better year than Jed Wills. Well, the player that I'm going to pick here is, um, is someone that has, uh, you know, suffered from a serious injury. And I think the, uh, the potential was great for him and, and we'll have to see how that works out now that he is, has, you know, worked his way back from a really serious injury, but they had very high hopes for this pick. And I think he'll be a starter this year. And if he can live up to what they thought he was going to be, then he fits right here in the top five. And that is one safety grant Delpit, their second round pick in 2020. And, uh, and, and I just think that, you know, when I look over the top, the top picks and the guys that have a uh, potential to, to really make something of themselves and really make an impact. Um, I, uh, I, I like Grant right here in the top five. I had Grant high. 
Um, I, I mean, is it, is there anybody that like doesn't think Grant Delpit could have a really good 2022? Was, was everybody here pretty high on Delpit? Yeah, this doesn't I, feel like a controversial pick at all. No, I, I really like this pick. I had him at uh, right in this range here. I do think like we've talked about with him, obviously having that injury his rookie year. I just think like we haven't fully seen like the versatility that he can bring to this defense. And I think like once we see that, uh, he just has so much more, I think, to give now that he has more experience. And as long as he comes back healthy and everything. Yeah, I had him fifth. Um, and I maybe that was too low. I, But I do agree that there's a lot of potential there. And I said before, we talked about him the way we talked about JOK last year. You know, before we saw him get on the field uh, during Delpit's actual rookie year, uh, we thought that he was a guy that was going to be that uh, that key that kind of, you could use to kind of move around to do different things. He, you know, coverage was his, his big strong suit. Um, I mean, really with him, you're looking at like the last month or so of the season when, when he really played well and Browns have to hope that he, he keeps that up. Uh, he certainly was headed in the right direction though, uh, towards the end of the season. So Dan, Ashley and Mary Kay, would you have all taken Delpit ahead of Wills? Yes. Yes. I would have. There's one player I would have taken ahead of Delpit. Based okay. off of who, who was left at the time. Okay. It was probably going to go on one of, one of Ashley's two picks. Here. <laughs> oh, yeah. I get two in a row. I forgot about yeah. that. So you can make them both if you want and we can discuss. Uh, but go ahead. Oh, I'm nervous now. There, there's some pressure. <laughs> um, all right. So at five, I am going to take Donovan Peoples-Jones here. Um, I think he's right now in that number two receiver spot. I think the Browns think, and I think, you know, I think this as well, that when he has Deshaun Watson throwing him the ball, I think he's going to be put into a better position to succeed. Now, I do think this is kind of like a big year for him in terms of maybe for sure carving out what his ability and what his role looks like. He wasn't so good as a deep threat last year, but I don't know how much that had to do with, is he just not necessarily good in that role? Or was it because of what was going on with Baker Mayfield and Baker Mayfield not being able to complete some of those passes? So all of that stuff he's produced well, especially like when you look at his total catches compared to touchdowns in his two years here. And it's just the fact they got him in the sixth round. Like it, there's not many sixth round receivers. And Doug, I know you wrote a story on this after that first Bengals game this year. There's not many sixth round receivers that have the kind of success he's had in his first couple of years where he was almost an immediate contributor for them when they needed him after OBJ went down in 2020. So I'm, I'm really happy to get him here at the end of this first round. Yeah, I had DPJ high too. I actually had him at number four. So I have no problem whatsoever uh, with DPJ right here in the top five. I agree that um, the value that you got in the sixth round, that's where you really earn your money. I mean, if you're, if you are a personnel department that is finding a guy like that in the sixth round, uh, then you're, then you're really doing something right. And I think he does have a chance to be the actual number two possible receiver this year, or at least be in a situation where uh, he uh, is sometimes the second receiver on the field with Amari Cooper uh, with an opportunity to fare better when he's not going up against the opponent's best cornerback and being able to just kind of fight for those contested footballs and, uh, and, and do what he does best. So X, I think this was an excellent pick by them and by Ashley. Yeah, I had him fourth too. Um, I had him over Delpit. I, 
he's had quality. Now they just want quantity, right? He, he had 48 targets combined over his first two years. And I, I'm guessing he's going to have more than that this year alone. Um, he gets first downs. He makes big, important catches. He just has to prove that he can do it a lot now and do it when he's expected to do it from the start and not because other people are injured and they had to put him out there more than they had anticipated. And, and he's a six round pick, which I think should be factored in. Yeah. I, I think if we were doing this strictly on like pick value or like best pick, I think people's Jones probably would have been right near the top of most boards. I, I think I mean, this is a sixth rounder. I was going to say, if we did it that way, like JOK probably still would have been number one for me. And then he might've been number two because of all they've gotten from him and how late they got him in that draft. So there's this, this chart I saw and listen, there are all sorts of Twitter charts out there. If you really go down the the rabbit hole of football stats on Twitter, you can find some, you can find all sorts of stats that you have no idea what they mean, but man, if they back up what you're trying to say, you're going to use them. Uh, but this is an interesting one from uh, a guy named Marcus Mosher, I think is how you say his name. And he had a, a chart of how often do wide receivers create big plays. So it was basically, he calls them looks, and then the number of big plays kind of divides them. Donovan Peoples-Jones, obviously not a huge sample size compared to some of these other guys. He had the highest percentage of, of big plays per whatever this guy kind of categorizes as looks. So, I mean, this kind of goes to what you were saying, Scott. Like, he hasn't had a ton of opportunities, but he seems to make the most of them. Yeah, DVOA, EPA per play, they, uh, those stats also love, love him. And, and just look, we've talked about this, uh, you know, his touchdown catches versus receptions. I mean, he's catching a touchdown like once every seven or eight catches. And, and I think the ability to score the football is huge. And it's actually something that I don't think Jarvis did enough of while he was here. And although everybody has different roles, I still think that uh, there is a, a huge premium placed on being able to score the football. And he's got a knack for doing that. Doug looks like a caged animal. Yeah, yeah let's, let's let Doug have his it. shot here because you know he's just ready to. <laughs> what do you got? I'm, 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 I'm more. I'm. I'm. I'm more confused than caged <laughs> because, it, like, what's one of those things when Scott's like. Well, he has quality. Now you just need quantity. And it's like, yes, that's the whole thing. If I go to the playground and I make one three pointer and you're like, God, that guy, that guy's a dead eye shooter. If you give me a hundred three point shots, I'm going to wind up six for a hundred just because I made the first one. I am concerned about the quantity. And I just think if he was their third receiver, I'd feel great. And if he's their second receiver, I'm concerned. He, his PFF grade last year among anybody who played more than 20% of the snaps is 70th. Like the guy right ahead of him is Josh Reynolds from the Rams, right? It's like, well, Josh Reynolds, he's like a nice complimentary piece. I still think it's possible that DPJ is like a very nice complimentary piece. And I think some of the stats in small sample sizes where he does well is because it's like, oh, that guy, oh, wow. I didn't know we, we were even really worried about covering that guy. And then all of a sudden he's open 70 yards down the field. And now when it's like, no, got to cover that guy. Well, I got to cover Cooper and then cover him. I just don't know. So is it a great value as a sixth round pick? Absolutely. Has he been a good, reliable young receiver who's done everything asked of him? Absolutely. Is he a number two receiver for a team that's trying to make the Super Bowl? I don't think so. So does that make him that he shouldn't be the fifth guy on this list? No. No value. I get it. Contribution. 
I'm just a little concerned that the Browns are going to be relying on him too much. And I know their number two receiver is David and Joku Scott. You don't have to jump in and say it, <laughs> but that does concern me. I like the player. I do not currently like the role that he is in for what this team thinks it can be. I just am. I think, well, I'm, I'm going to defend this pick. Obviously I made it. I'm really happy with it. I just think what's so interesting about me for him is we haven't seen him play with like a really, really good quarterback, like basically ever. Like he didn't get that in college. He had like four different quarterbacks. Like he's never really gotten the chance to play with somebody like Deshaun Watson. So I think like, even though like we're talking about, he has produced in this small sample size, like I'm genuinely excited, but that's why I think it's a huge year for him in terms of showing what he can do. So you're not wrong, Doug. Like I do think it's, there's a lot of questions he still has to answer, but I'm also like kind of to this point in this list where I'm not, I can't justify like taking anyone else over him still in my mind. No, I agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. I think he's probably the right pick here. I'm just in the real world cautious about how good he's going to be. And that's why I promise every round is not going to take 30 minutes here. Uh, but <laughs> I, I do want to say, Doug, there is something to be said about showing up and hitting that first three pointer. Yeah, if, if you just make that first three pointer, you're going to get picked every game. Trust me. Uh, I know. I, I I'm I'll shoot six for one hundred, but I made that first one, so everybody thinks the next one is going in. My whole playground game is show up, hit a three pointer, pull a hamstring, and then sit on a bench. <laughs> what what could have been? What could have been if we could have had that guy? Tantalizing. All right, Ashley, you've got another pick here. This is exciting. Um, I think we're kind of a little bit in into preference land here. And I'm curious if anyone else has this guy this high, I'm going to take the first rookie off the board in Perry and Winfrey, because number one, I think I, I just want to talk about him. Obviously he's a great guy to talk about, but on the field, that defensive tackle spot is just wide open right now. And I'm just so excited for him based on his skill set. And again, we've talked about it constantly since they drafted him, uh, his versatility and his ability to rush the passer. So I think he has a chance to, to start this year. It wouldn't surprise me. And I'm just kind of excited to see that energy he brings, how it fits in with the rest of that defense. If Perry and Winfrey came out and had an introductory press conference, like Nick Chubb, <laughs> would everybody be like on the hype train here with him? If he just came out and just, yes, or, uh, probably not. But again, like for me, the val uh, like I'm looking at potential value. He had what I think maybe a third round, second round grade. Like it, it was pretty high compared to where they got him. They did not think he would be around until that third day of the draft. So again, it's a projection thing. It, I think it's kind of a little bit about preference at this point and projecting some of these rookies and, and second year guys. But I, I just too, for me, looked at, this defensive tackle spot is like one of the, the position group, I think with the most questions going into this next year. So I think there's a lot of room that I'm projecting for him to be able to contribute. Was not the top rookie on my board, but was, but was pretty high up. And I think a part of that has to do with the potential impact of if he ends up winning that starting job. Um, and if he plays 16, 17 games in, in there, I, that, that's sort of why I, ha I had him a little higher up my list, but he, he wasn't the first one on my board. Mary Kay, you're up as we continue to wrap around and listen. Anybody has anything to add on Perion? I did not have him ranked in my top 10. I, I just maybe too hard to like to ignore the noise around him and not flexing during warmups and stuff. But I mean, it, 
he was picked where he was picked for a reason. Um, and it wasn't because of an injury or, or off the field issues. It was, you know, he was not very good against the run in college. And I think that's the big thing I want to see. Cause that's the big thing that the defensive line, the interior defensive line needs to improve this season. He got after the, the, the he could pass rush. Um, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm trying to like take all the, all the shiny flashing lights off of him and, and try to see like what he actually does. He, I think he's, he's dangerously close to falling into the Rashard Higgins category. And in terms of, Hey, he's got a cool nickname and he's got this great touchdown dance and the fans love him. But is he really, what's he really doing out there? I haven't been on the pod for a while, but I just want to say, I'm so excited for Scott Pasco to have a new player to dislike so much. Very. (laughs) Hey, it's the new Rashard Higgins. I'm excited. That's great. Um, I actually had Perry on number 11. Uh, I think for some of those same reasons, I think it's a situation where, uh, you know, I want to see what he can do in this four, three defense. I want to see if the uh, bark is as, as, if the bite is as big as the bark, Uh, no pun intended there. Actually, he was barking quite, quite a bit on draft day. Um, So yeah, I want to see all of those kinds of things. I'm curious as to why he dropped to the fourth round. What were other people not seeing? Maybe all those people are wrong. Maybe the Browns, uh, really got a steal here the way that Greg Newsom says that they did. He actually thinks that uh, Miles Garrett will benefit tremendously from having Perry on Winfrey on the inside there. So we'll have to see how that goes. Uh, but I think I kind of want to see it before, um, before I christen him uh, the next great defensive tackle of, of the Cleveland Browns. So I'm up and this is going to be a controversial pick that I'm about to make. Ooh. It's going to be way too high for some people, and that's okay. I'm cool with that Um, because I still think it's, and you'll know exactly who I'm talking about when I say this, it's something they had to have. They had to get it, and they might have have had to climb a little high to get it. Um, But if this, if Cade York turns out to be their Pro Bowl kicker for the next decade, and turns out to be really good. And they finally solved a big problem that they've had where they're patching it together. Um, then nobody's going to care that they spent uh, that 128 pick on, on Cade York. I think it was a good spot. And uh, I think he's going to live up to it. I, d- I don't think this is that controversial. No. This was the other guy I was between my last pick. So okay. I was taking one of the rookies. <laughs> this wouldn't have been my pick here, but I don't like we were we were coming up on where that where Cade York was going to go. And I'm looking at the players I would have picked before him. And, and like there's maybe one or like I can make the case that just because that guy's a skill player or something like that, he's I'm going to take him over a kicker. But honestly, mm. we were coming up on where Cade York was going to get picked, I think. OK, interesting. What pick of- is this? This, this is, is number, uh, number seven. Seven. That's exactly where I had him. Oh, really? Okay, good. I, <laughs> I thought I was going to get blasted for this, but I mean, I still think that, um, you know, if you don't have him, there'll be plenty of plenty of blasting going around. If you're trying to make uh, make it to the the playoffs and you're losing games because you're missing kicks, that's where the blasting would come. So, I thought it was a good pick, and I thought it was good where they made it. And two, like when we're projecting possible contributions, like there's not a kicking competition. We know he's the guy. Like they they got rid of their other two guys that they had on the roster. Um, 
So I, I think that's why I also kind of had him in this range so high. Sometimes when Mary Kay says some people, I feel like she just could say Doug. <laughs> some people might all, blast this pick. No, we're all I, a little afraid of you. Just a little. <laughs> get in line. No, I know. <laughs> uh, I'm afraid of myself and the silly things I say sometimes. So, no, I did. I mean, like, I, I think this is the right. I was hoping he'd get to me uh, at 10 and I didn't think that he would. He has a role. Uh, the only question, you know, is the value and could you have gotten him a little bit later? But the role he's going to have on this team is compared to some of the other guys that we're going to wind up picking sooner than later is there's no doubt about it, how important he's going to be to these guys. And could they have gotten a tight end in the fourth round and taken him in the fifth round? I guess, but he's here and he's how good he is, is going to matter to this team. And I think it's reasonable to have high expectations for him. So I think seventh here is, is right in the correct range. All right, Scott, go ahead. Wow. So I'm going to take the guy I had fifth on my, so I had JOK first, Newsom second, Wills third, I had DPJ fourth. I had David Bell fifth, which is the first rookie, a lot of projection going on here. Um, I had him above Grant Delpit because I think, Bell becoming a consistent starter and playing well is going to be more important than, than Delpit doing that. Um, if Bell becomes a consistent starter in the slot, he's going to ease the loss of Jarvis Landry. Um, and if he's able to do that, this becomes a great pick because of partly because of where they got him passing up some of those guys that were there in the second round, moving down and, and still getting Bell. Um, I mean, I'm expecting Bell to get every opportunity to make that happen. We talked about DPJ being number two, um, I mean, after Cooper and DPJ, what do you have left on here? You're really counting on David Bell. And I think he comes in, obviously, a ton more polished than Anthony Schwartz did. Um, and, and that's Schwartz is probably the guy that you're looking at after Bell. So that, that's a, I think that's a big gap. Um, I don't know what kind of season Bell's going to get, but I know he's going to have a ton of opportunity. I know he can catch the ball. I know he can do a lot of different types of things Jarvis Landry could do. I just think from like, importance of the pick and making sure that you got somebody who fit and did things that are different than the other guys in the wide receiver room. Uh, that's kind of all added up to me wanting to have bell pretty high on my list. This is a perfect pick because first of all, I had bell pretty high. Too. I had him fifth too, um, a little differently. I got there a little bit differently, but I had him fifth and I, kind of threw out on yesterday's podcast or on Friday's podcast that maybe David Bell is going to end up being the next Rashard Higgins. So oh. this is like a perfect pick. I just, I've kind of oh. talked myself into oh my. David Bell. <laughs> Michael Woods is going to become the next Rashard Higgins. After <laughs> yeah. talking to him and seeing him, that, that's the next Rashard Higgins. <laughs> I've, I've talked myself into David Bell just being a guy that's going to be a good route runner. He's going to be where he's supposed to be and he's going to catch a ton of footballs which is pretty good. And then anything beyond that is awesome. I'll take that. Yeah. I had, I had David Bell at number seven on my list. So uh, this is right about where I had him. And I think we are in sort of that, uh, that group now where you can put four or five, you know, four or five different guys at any one of these spots. And I think you could make a case for them. Uh, but certainly uh, David Bell is expected to play a big role this year. Wouldn't be surprised. Uh, if he 
gets the third most, possibly the third most targets on the team behind uh, Amari Cooper and David Njoku. So um, yeah, good spot for him here. I was just going to say, I also had him at seven and basically for what everyone's already said, like we know he's probably going to contribute in that slot role. Um, and he, he played a little bit of that at Purdue. I'm curious to see how, how much he plays this year comparatively, but uh, overall, I just think we know he's, he's going to contribute that they thought he had the best hands in this year's draft class. So I know they think they got a steal with him. And obviously we've talked about this with them. Had he tested better, he probably would have gone higher. He probably wouldn't have been available for them to take there. So now it's all about showing how, um, how that translates, I guess. But we talk about DPJ possibly being the number two guy. I think when they go to like, you know, uh, personnel groupings that only have two wide receivers on the field, he, he's probably more likely to be out there than DPJ just because of the position he's likely to play and his versatility of lining up at different spots. So DPJ is two years older and more experienced in the NFL, but who do we think is better? Who do we think will end up being the better NFL receiver once they get on a similar experience level? David Bell or DPJ? I don't know. Cause I, it's hard to say, cause I think they're so different. I think DPJ will always sort of be that guy that produces big plays, even if it's in a smaller sample size, whereas Bell might just be a guy that just, like I said, catches a ton of footballs, but maybe it's not spectacular. Maybe it's not big plays down the field. So I, I mean, like, I don't, I don't know, I guess who's going to, I just feel like they're really, really different. So I think you might get to a point where it's, what do you prefer? Do you want the guy that's going to hit a big play every now and again, or do you want a guy that's going to catch a bunch of seven and eight yard passes? Cause I guess part of my question is then if you think it might be bell, if your answer is bell, then how quickly do you think bell can catch up to DPJ? And then maybe should David bell be ahead of DPJ on this list? We think he maybe will have a more um, consistent role in the offense. If DPJ is a deep threat and this guy catch more balls. I I'm I, I've expressed my views on DPJ. I just wonder should should David Bell have gone higher than Donovan Peoples Jones in a draft like this? Or are we just giving extra credit because DPJ went in the sixth round and Bell went in the third? You know, I think part of it is that we really haven't seen uh what David Bell is going to be able to do at this level yet. And I think that makes it hard to determine. And there is that little question mark about the speed and how that will play out in the NFL. So I think there's that whole, um, that whole little issue, whereas we've seen uh, DPJ produce and we expect him to produce even more this season. So I feel comfortable with Bell going after DPJ right now, including uh, for where they're picked. Yeah. DPJ fourth and Bell fifth. So everybody else here needs to do some reflecting, not me. I had him right where they were supposed to be. I had DPJ third. Yeah, I had him fourth. I had I had DPJ third, and I had Bell fifth, with Grant Delpit in between. Okay, so, so now I'm up. So it is a little bit. So that Bell going eighth is a little bit of an anomaly. Most people had him higher on their own personal list than eighth. He yeah. just got knocked down by preference. Yeah, I think. I don't know though. We might. It might have worked out. We, we might kind of have this right. I guess it depends what, what you think of Perry and Winfrey. All right. 
Uh, Way to go, Ashley. Ashley screwed up the whole draft ticket. Well, no, I did not. I think most fans would agree with me. So I think I have, most, I have all of Twitter on my side, Doug. I think, most, I think most fans would have taken Perry on Winfrey number one. They might have, quite honestly. He gets us. So I got a value pick. I got what? a value pick by that standard. So, Doug, do not, I will not let you bully me on this beautiful. No, I think now, now I'm hearing the things that Mary Kay was talking about. Yeah, yeah. I didn't mean that. I'm sorry. Great pick. <laughs> <laughs> I, I want to get cute here, but I'm going to stay true to my board. Take the guy that I have here, uh, my highest remaining. And frankly, then we can just move on to Doug's two picks. I'm taking Harrison Bryant, uh, number nine. I, I, I don't know. I don't know who else to take on. Like I'm looking at the people I have left. I could go. If I wanted to get creative, I would take another rookie here, but I just, at least I know what Harrison Bryant is. At least I kind of know what he's going to give me. I don't know if he grows much more than what we've seen, but he's going to be the number two guy, um, the number two tight end right now. So I, I think this is the right, I, I think this is a good, safe, boring pick. Just Harrison Bryant. <laughs> That's funny. I had him at number eight. And I think this is right about where, where you would put Harrison Bryant. You're right. I mean, he's just a good, solid pick for right here. He's not spectacular. His upside probably isn't phenomenal. Uh, but he's going to go out there. He's going to get the job done. He has a chance to be the number two tight end this year and produce even more. So um, yeah, I, I think this is a good spot right here. Yeah, I had item eighth too. He, I'm starting to think Mary Kay can see my list. Um, <laughs> Was there a Jerry played, Jones situation where Scott just yeah. like accidentally showed everybody his little big board? <laughs> he played 36% of the snaps last season. That was third among tight ends, but he's likely to move up closer to 50 this year now that Hooper's gone. The Texans are one of the leaders in two tight end formations when Watson was there. I'm not saying the Browns are going to copy that, but like everything this offseason seems to point to less three tight ends, right? Um, but I still think they're going to use two tight ends a lot because of Watson's familiarity, because of Stefanski's background, and they still um, obviously had two tight ends on the field a ton. Um, and that's going to get Brian on the field a lot. He's the guy they use in the backfield the most uh, as a tight end. So I think... Um, just he's going to be an important part of this offense trying to create mismatches. He needs to get, become a better blocker. Uh, but I, I like him at eight. I think uh, he makes a lot of sense here. All right, Doug, you've got back-to-back picks. We're going to take a quick break here and then we will move into the second half of our draft as Doug uh, continues our snake to end the second into the third. And back on the Orange or Brown Talk podcast, we are up to the final pick in the second round, number 10, just to recap, Jeremiah Owusu-Koromo goes one, Greg Newsom two, Jedrick Wills three, uh, Grant Delpit four, Donovan Peoples-Jones five, the order there was Doug, me, Scott, Mary Kay, and Ashley, then we snaked it around, so Ashley went Perry and Winfrey at six, Mary Kay, Cade York at seven, Scott, David Bell at eight, then I took Harrison Bryant at nine, and Doug, like I said, you've got back-to-backers here. So I'm going to go Python because I think the squeezing snakes are the best kind of snakes, right? I really like the squeezing snakes rather than the eating snakes. Is Nick Harris going to be the starting center? Is he going to be the starting center? Probably Nick Harris. As of now, sure. Probably. As of now. So he saved them like an $8.2 million cap hit on JC Treader with the dead money. They're saving like six and a half million dollars. This is exactly what a fifth round pick should do. Nick Harris is going into his third year. They got rid of a veteran because they thought he was ready. This is a fifth round pick perfection. And frankly, 
assuming that Ethan Posick guy, how do you say his last name from Seattle? Is that right? Posick? Posick? Who's I don't the guy? know if it's Posich or Posick. Ethan, oh, our, friend, our guy, we know Ethan. <laughs> he's coming in. I mean, if Nick Harris starts, I think he's in the top five on this list. Because if he starts, I think you could go JOK, Newsom, Wills, Delpit, and then Nick Harris. So I was hoping he'd get to me at 10. I'm very happy to take him here. I think there's a drop-off after this because at the moment, this guy's a projected starter. And for a fifth-round pick, this is how good teams keep winning. Because you keep your super duper 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 stars, you keep Denzel Ward, you keep Nick Chubb and Miles Garrett, and then you tell JC Treader, you're good, we like you, but this other guy we got in the fifth round for cheap is almost as good as you, and we're going to save money by letting you go. So I think that adds to it, fifth round value for a guy who thinks we think he's going to start. I'm very happy to get Nick Harris at 10 here. I had him right at 10 too for um, a lot of the same reasons that you're saying, Doug. Now, obviously with him, when we talk about small sample size, this is the prime example of that because the only offensive snaps he got this past year was in that green Bay game when JC Treader was, I believe on the COVID-19 reserve list. Um, But we've talked, when we've talked about Nick Harris before, we're like, it's interesting because if they feel comfortable enough with him, it means they're obviously seeing things like in practice that we are not, privy to that they must really like about him. Um, So I think it's interesting and it's going to be interesting to see what he brings in, in that larger sample size, if he does end up with that starting job. Yeah. You know what? I I didn't have Nick that high. I had, I had Nick down a little bit lower and I guess that, you know, it's probably just um, I, I, you guys make really, really good points about why he should be up this high at, at number 10. I didn't think of it that way. Um, I don't know. I guess uh, I'm still a little skeptical about how it's all going to work out and if he's going to be the guy. But if he turns out to be uh, the starting center, uh, then that's a tremendous pick in in the fifth round. So, Doug, this kind of goes back to the Ohio State players draft that we did. And there there are certainly worse, worse teams to follow when it comes to draft and develop and let guys take over than the Green Bay Packers. So Treader, right, a fourth round pick had some injury issues, but was their starting center for a little while. They finally let him walk to the Browns. Corey Lindsley takes over. He was a fifth round pick. They let him walk when it's time to pay him. And now they've got uh, Josh Myers starting at center. And he was a second round pick, but um, still, I mean, that's, again, there's worse, there's worse teams to follow templates of. And that is sort of what you have to do when your roster gets expensive and you're paying a quarterback a ton of money is you've got to have guys kind of in the pipeline ready to take over so you don't have to pay everybody on your offensive line $10 million a year. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think this is this is the plan. This is like the plan in action. And they haven't done it a ton, right? That this is, I think you you spelled it out exactly right, Dan. So I will say now this, I think we're in the speculation zone and we're probably in the zone of the guy that I'm just not going to pick and I'll leave him for Dan <laughs> to pick. I'm just, I'm just not going to pick him. So I think you're projecting with almost everybody. And Massey makes a good point. Small sample size on Nick Harris, but they've been watching him in practice. And if they didn't think he was up to it, they would have done something else. So if I'm going to project mostly, I'm going to take a rookie and I'm just going to take a guy that I like his upside as much as anybody else. And I'll take Alex Wright. And what he might be at defensive end, you know, coming from a smaller school, maybe has some more weight to add, but, Maybe there's some, you know, some explosive possibilities there. I don't have a hugely strong feeling on anybody else. So I'll go right at picks 11, pick 11. 
like you said, rookie, I thought I was going to lose my guy. You, t- mm. you took the, well, you took the right rookie for me. I think you took the wrong rookie here though. Um, I don't know. Ooh. I mean, Alex Wright could end up being the starting end. So maybe, maybe I'm wrong. That's, that's what I was going to say. I hit him slightly lower. I hit him at 14. Um, but that is when Doug was talking about it. I'm like, well, like potentially he could, he is one of those guys that feels like there's, we've talked about this. There might be one or two every year where you, you don't know what they're going to be coming into it. And they wind up starting like fairly early on. Um, so who knows, but I did have another rookie ahead of him and it's probably who Dan's going to pick him. Yes. I was hoping that Alex Wright would fall to me. I had him at number six. On Whoa. This list. Wow. wow. Okay. I had him at number six. No wonder you love my Harrison Bryant yeah. pick so much. All in on Alex Wright. <laughs> he has a huge upside. I mean, when, when you talk about them picking him, that's the ultimate, I think, upside pick too. Yeah. I, I think that I just get the sense that uh, that they are really super excited about him. I think that they feel they got quite the, the diamond in the rough here. Nobody was talking about Alex Wright amongst all these great edge rushers in this draft. Nobody at all. Uh, and I think that they feel like this is one of those picks where they found something or saw something in a guy that maybe others missed, sort of like JOK, uh, you know, kind of falling to the um, – you know, to, to them in the second round. Uh, I think that they feel like that when they look back on this pick of Alex Wright in a couple of years, uh, they're going to be patting themselves on the back a little bit and be really excited and happy about this. So I had him pretty darn high and just seeing him at rookie camp. I mean, I don't know. He was very impressive just um, in passing the eyeball test and in talking to him. And he looks like he could put on more weight so that he can set the edge a little bit better, which is something I think he's going to need to do. Um, and, you know, kind of turn himself into more of that Jadavian Clowney type of player. And Jadavian uh, sets that edge better than almost anybody at that position. So Alex needs to, to come up the learning curve on that a little bit. But I, I just think that um, I just think they have hugely high hopes for him. Was this the 11th pick? I yes. had him at 11th. Yes, 11th pick. I, I wrote he might be a starter, might be a backup. Who knows? Um, <laughs> you know, could go either way here. All right. So that leaves me, I guess, with my guy. And I think, Ashley, you and I were probably on the same page with this. I'm going to go with a rookie here uh, as well. I'm going to take Martin Emerson, uh, the first pick that the Browns made in this last draft. I think there's something there with this guy. I think they, I I think a little bit, um, a little bit like David Bell, there's just something they really, really like uh, about his length, about his ability um, to cover one-on-one in man coverage. I'm very curious to see if they would use him in the slot, if that's how they envision him, or if they envision him as strictly as an outside guy, a guy that didn't get a ton of turnovers in college, but also wasn't targeted a whole bunch either. So I'm, I'm really intrigued by Emerson getting into this system. And I feel like this could just be one of those picks where when you have stability, when you know what you want, when you know what happens to a guy, when he gets into your building and you get your hands on him and you get to work with him and develop him, I think this could be a pick like that where it's like, yeah, Martin Emerson's just going to kind of work because this, maybe this team just kind of knows how to develop defensive backs. Yeah. This is who I had above uh, Alex, right? I did have him right at number 12. So great pick Dan. And I think when we talk about his physical traits, obviously the length that he brings is just something different. Um, And especially with his arms, those 33 inch long arms that he is bringing to this defense. But yeah, I mean, I think it's good for him that he, 
isn't, you know, going to have to jump in right away necessarily like in the same way that Denzel Ward and Greg Newsom contribute to this defense. I think it's good that maybe they'll get to develop him. And like we said, like at, on the night of the draft, like this felt like kind of a, a Browns pick. It made a bit more sense when they got rid of Troy Hill. So it's, he's an interesting guy here. And I think at this point, we're just projecting basically at least how, how I put together my big board. So I, I think this is a good pick. Yeah, right. definitely a good pick. I had Martin right at, at number nine. And, um, you know, I, once again, I think he's one of those guys that uh, they may have liked him a lot better than a lot of other teams did. And if he turns out to be a really good cornerback, uh, this is going to be one where, you know, they can hang their hat on and say, you know, we know what we're doing in the evaluation department. Scott, number 13. Uh, man, Pickens <laughs> are slim. Uh, but I'm going to go with Jordan Elliott. He's technically the next guy I got on my list. Um, we have now picked everybody. Everybody above him has been picked. Uh, I mean, he was part of a really bad interior defensive line last season, but he was a third round pick. Everybody called him a steal in 2020. And for those who don't pay attention, everybody calls everybody a steal. Everybody's <laughs> happy with who they got. Everybody thinks they're going to blossom. Everybody thinks that, you know, they outthought everybody else and they, they know this guy's the real deal. But people talked about that, about Jordan Elliott like that too. Um, other guys coming back, he had the most snaps uh, on the defensive line last season. I think a lot of people are penciling him for one of those spots, but really it could be like, it could literally be any combination of two guys which is probably why I got Jordan Elliott so low. And I'm guessing most people have him pretty low on their list, but you know, we haven't seen him be a steal yet, but I think there's certainly like, if you told me Winfrey and Elliott were your two starters week one, I'm like, oh, okay. I, I mean, that sounds fine. could be Brian could be, you know, most, well, it's not, not going to be Tommy Togi. I'll die on that hill, but <laughs> I'll take Jordan Elliott here. Why not? So, so I had, you know how in bracketology, the NCAA tournament, they do like the first four out um, on my big board. And then my, you know, so I've got the 20 names listed and right next to it, I've got the four guys that might not get taken out that this could change. I was just kind of listing names at one point. Elliot was very close to first guy out. If I was following my board exactly, he would be first guy out. But I think there's some guys I would move around where he would end up getting picked. I, I had him low. Um, I just. And, and part of it, Scott, is that that reason, like he's played a bunch of snaps and I just, I can't think of any like one Jordan Elliott play. I, I think maybe he forced a fumble or recovered a fumble at some point that was like, oh, look, there's Jordan the Elliott. Titans. Yeah. The I, I just can't think of like any big, just standout Jordan Elliott plays, which maybe that's unfair for a defensive tackle, but that, that's kind of where I'm at with him. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, I'm probably jaded a little bit by the PFF grades on Jordan when I look back at you know his grades from last year they were poor enough that it caused me to drop him down to number 17 on my big board uh, you know I, I sort of think that right now he's in a situation where he's going to have to fight and scrap for some playing time uh, alongside I think they're probably going to uh, let Perry on Winfrey give it a whirl and see what he can do like I mentioned the other day if you can start Malik McDowell for 14 or 15 games, then certainly you can give Perry and Winfrey uh, an opportunity in there next to whoever. I'm not sure who, who that's going to be just yet. But um, so, yeah, Jordan Elliott still needs to, uh, 
you know, to prove it to me a little bit before I would have him a little higher on this list, but certainly a chance for him to do that this year. Yeah, I had him at 16. And I mean, I think a big part of that is kind of like what Mary Kay's alluding to there. Like he was a third round pick that hasn't necessarily fully lived up to that yet. And he didn't play a ton as a rookie. I think I have a Mary Kay's draft breakdown up. He only played, uh, only made it onto the field for 29 of his snaps, 29% of his snaps as a rookie. So we had, we didn't see a lot of him last year. We did kind of see a lot of him, more of him this year. Like Dan was saying, I don't know that necessarily anything stands out, but at this point, that room is a little thin. Um, he has a chance, I think. So it's not a, I, I, that's why I had him. I was still planning on taking him if it came to that in this draft. I still had him on my big board. All right, so that takes us to number 14 and Mary Kay. Okay, you guys know where I'm going with this. It's only fitting. <laughs> I was just going to say, should we just... I, mean, I knew it. We just put the pick in. <laughs> yeah. Somebody hand in the card. We know where I'm going with this. It's exactly... Um, actually, yes, it's very close to where I had him on, on my big board. Very, very close. And uh, it's only fitting uh, that I get to pick him. Have a soft spot in my heart for Anthony Schwartz, as you all know. And, uh, and we'll see, we'll see what he can become this year. You know, nobody really knows yet. Kevin Stefanski thinks he's going to have a big year. Um, he does have the speed. He did have a very horrible rookie experience in terms of injuries, concussions and whatnot. And, um, and so, you know, we'll see what he can do. If he, uh, if he and Deshaun can really get it together and if Deshaun can take advantage of his speed and get him the ball and he's, uh, you know, come up the learning curve on the route running and gotten a little bit more consistent with his hands, which I know he was working like crazy on that last year. And I think he has gotten better in that regard. Um, we'll, we'll see what he can do. He's got some chances here. I knew you were going to take this pick Mary Kay. I knew I wasn't going to have a chance to get him with the, with the next two, but I do like it here. I think this is the right range for him. And, you know, when we've talked about him, it is interesting comparing him and David Bell in this podcast because they're almost like opposites like Anthony Schwartz is a fast guy who doesn't have that production David Bell is a guy who comes in having that high production but not that speed so it's going to be curious like I said I think I said yesterday on our podcast like what his year looks like I'm not entirely sure but like you said Kevin Stefanski did mention they haven't forgotten about him so I think there is a role for him and I think he is deserving of being taken here it's just a tough, it's just a tough spot. Uh, there are other third round picks who coming into year two would be a much more primary part of the discussion at a position like receiver where the Browns do have opportunity right now. And I, I think this is the right spot to take him, but I think the idea that David Bell as a rookie third rounder went eighth in our draft and Anthony Schwartz as a second year third rounder went 14th says something about what we think about this and um, happy to be wrong, happy to be wrong, but he certainly has to prove himself. Yeah. I mean, I, I think we've got him in the right spot and this was sort of what I wanted to see. I wanted to see where the receivers went, what order they went in, where did David Bell go in relation to Anthony Schwartz? Has he already kind of passed him in our minds? And the answer here is, is very clearly. Yes. It's just with Schwartz, you know, I've just got to see it. I just didn't see a guy. I mean, I said this the other day. I just didn't see a guy who looked like four two six fast. And I don't know if that's the injury. I don't know if that's hesitation because he wasn't getting on the field. You know, I just, I just didn't see it. So yeah, it's, 
It's more, I've just got to see him look fast and see, you know, show that ability to get down the field and, and make some plays. And uh, hopefully he'll be able to stay healthy and, and kind of show us what he can do. Ashley, you've got back-to-backers here to take us into, to end this one, round one more thing, and then take us into One more thing final. real Go quick ahead. on on Schwartz. Top 100 pick, third round pick last year, and then they turn around and draft two receivers. That, that says something about where they're at with Anthony Schwartz. Go ahead. We'll see. <laughs> we shall see. Oh boy, I'm I'm not really. If, if Anthony Schwartz catches like 50 passes for like 800 yards and five touchdowns, we're just gonna let Mary Kay podcast solo yeah. for a week. Yeah. <laughs> so these next two picks, I'm not like particularly. I'm excited necessarily to take anybody, but we're kind of in that range. I'm going to take a guy I talked about the other day when we recapped the 2021 draft. Um, And this is more of a projection pick again, but I think it's a guy who has a chance to compete for playing time. I'm going to take Richard LeCount. Uh, This was kind of a red shirt year for him this past year. Um, But you think they didn't bring back MJ Stewart. They do like using safeties. They obviously did bring back Ronnie Harrison, but I think, I don't know, I think he can compete and I think we can still see more from him just because we didn't see a lot from him last year. There was a disciplinary issue that we never really got any clarity on that he missed some time for that. So 15th, I don't know. I'm okay with taking him here. Yeah. There's a group of guys at the bottom who you're not really sure how they're going to get on the field. And he's solidly in that group. I, I was I was gonna take him. He is the board was lined up with my name here on, on the sheet that I'm that I'm working on where the count would have been like right next to my name already. I was gonna take him just because five-star SEC athletic guy coming off a bad injury, couldn't really get on the field. You mentioned the disciplinary issue. I don't know how he gets on the field again this year, but there's there's gotta be something there. Well, it's like two, I don't know. It's like Ronnie Harrison, like, you know, the, when you look at his year last year, it's not like he had a great year. We had so many discussions about, would you rather have MJ Stewart back or Ronnie Harrison back? And we ended, we all, I think pretty much said MJ Stewart. And that's obviously not what happened. And you look at the blown coverages from earlier this year, the kind of boneheaded penalties, like, I don't know. I just think there's, there's an opportunity maybe for him to compete, even though on the surface level, Ronnie is like the more obvious contributor of the two. I just want to tease something here because I'm worried that people are going to turn off the podcast before pick 20. Um, I have a secret pick at pick 20 Uh-oh. that I'm going to make. So you cannot take stick around, stick around. If you do what you're going to do, I'm going to be so mad. If what I think you're going to do. Yeah. Get ready. What a tease. <laughs> no, yeah. no. Garter snake. Last pick of the draft. <laughs> Garter snake. <laughs> Ashley, make your second pick. Oh God, do I have to? Can I trade this pick for nothing, please? Um, future considerations. Yeah. yeah. Future, yeah. future in a future draft. Uh, just just let the clock run out. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't have a pick to be made. Um, man, this is tough. I'm, I'm going to go with Jacob Phillips here. Um, I don't know. Obviously he had the injury. I think he, again, maybe could get on the field. He does have the good thing about him is we think he has some versatility to play inside or out. So I think that's a pro on the pro con list for taking him here. And at this point we're at 16. So there's a few different directions. I think you could go in a few different justifications you can make. He obviously had the biceps injury last year. Um, so I think it's about being available for him and, and seeing if he 
can translate some of that versatility we think he has into actual meaningful snaps. All right, let's keep barreling along then. Mary Kay, number 17. All right, I'm going to go with a player that uh, that I had actually number 13 on, on my board. So I'm kind of glad that he lasted here. Uh, we don't ever know where to put him. We don't know how to classify him. We don't know what to do with him. And I don't know if the Browns know what to do with him. We don't know what he's going to become, if anything. Uh, Johnson? But, <laughs> <laughs> but he's, a jack, he's a jack of at least two trades. Uh, and it's Demetric Felton, somebody that is having a bit of an identity crisis. He doesn't know if he's a running back, if he's a receiver. He doesn't know from one day to the next where he's supposed to go when he walks out onto that practice field. It's very stressful. But uh, Demetric Felton, I don't know. We'll see what, what he turns out to be this year. It might be a situation where they can plug him in wherever they need uh, wherever they have like some injuries or something. If the receiver room needs a guy, he goes over there. If the running back room needs a guy, he's over there. If they need some help on special teams, he can be over there. Uh, he can do a lot of things, but he's going to have to do a couple of things really, really well to get on the football field because a lot of people have now moved in front of him at those spots. So not really sure where he's going to fit in, uh, but, but you know, considering that he's a draft pick of theirs, uh, I think they'll they'll try to continue to give him a chance, and we'll see what he can do with it this year. Are we confident he's going to be on the team? They talked. Remember last year during camp, like early in camp, Baker's talking about how yeah he's definitely going to be part of our offense. And now, like Mary Kay said, uh, where I, where do you put him? We heard during you know the draft that he was going to be in the running back room, but then well maybe not just the running back room. Is he the fourth running back? I mean, they're not keeping five running backs. They haven't well, kept five running backs. You know what? They have so much flexibility now with, with the practice squad and being, being able to, to, you know, protect guys on the practice squad. So if they had to bounce guys back and forth, you know, from the but practice squad. they'd have squad, to get them there first though, right? Yeah. yeah I mean, get them their waivers. they'd have to get them there first, but uh, you know what? I, I'm going to say that he is going to make the team based on the fact that um, that he can do a little bit of everything. I don't think they're going to be ready to give up on him just yet. I could be wrong mm-hmm. about that because they have gotten Jakeem Grant and they have done a, a number of other things, and it doesn't seem like he really has a home. But I don't think they're ready to give up on him yet. I'm fully in the camp until we show up to OTAs next week or mini camp or whenever and actually see him spending the majority of his time as a running back, I still think he makes it as a receiver. I still think he's a wide receiver, but he's probably like the sixth guy. He's probably the last guy in the door. Yeah. Right. But I think there's enough. I think they'll play enough receivers. And if look some of it's going to come down to which guys are willing to play special teams, right? Which, which guys does Mike prefer want on the field too? That's going to get you on that 45, that, that, that game day roster. So, um, we'll see I, I think he makes it as a receiver though i'm not sure what his role is i did have him a little higher on my list though uh, all right where did, Scott. You, where did you have him dan well i kind of hate to say it because i think i would have taken guys higher than him i had him nine but there's like i probably would i took emerson before him and i had emerson below him on my big board so probably more accurately probably around 12 or 13 okay cool all right scott pick number 18 this just keeps getting worse. Uh, <laughs> all right, folks. I, I, Thomas Jerome Ford, Tommy Togiai, Michael Woods, Tony Fields, 
James <laughs> Hudson, Dawson Deaton. I'm open to suggestions. All right, I'm going to take Isaiah Thomas. All right. Partly because of the position that he plays, I think just about any spot other than Miles Garrett is open for competition um, as long as, you know, Jadavian Clowney is not on this roster. Um, he's a seventh round pick, though. We have not seen him play. Not sure. I mean, I don't know how he can't be ranked near the bottom, but like every, like I said, everybody involved in that defensive line has a shot. And sure, we'll go with Isaiah Thomas here because the other guys I mentioned there, I mean, Tabi Togi, I might be the best case to to be here instead. Again, he plays on the defensive line, but everybody else, you're not really sure how they're going to get anywhere close to the field. All right. Well, well, Doug has teased us. Nobody wants to hear me talk about. Nobody wants to hear Scott <laughs> talk about Isaiah Thomas. Nobody wants to hear me talk about. Uh, let's say Michael Woods at number 19. That, that'll be my pick. I, I was all ready to shoot down anybody who took Tony Fields, but if no one's going to do that, <laughs> then we can go to Doug. <laughs> so we'll, we'll go Michael Woods here at, at number 19 because everyone has just been champing at the bit here mm. to see what Doug has up his sleeve at number 20. I almost feel like maybe I, I should be really mean and put an ad in here, but you should do it. <laughs> We're going to take a break. And when we come back, Doug Maurice will make a pick that we've all been waiting for at number 20. And we are back on the Orange and Brown Talk podcast, the rare double break Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Doug, you got to This better live up to the hype. I'm just envisioning like someone pulling into their house, sitting in their driveway. The rest of the family gets out of the car and they're like, why don't you come in? It's like, I got, he's making the 20th pick. He said it was going to be a secret. Um, so I'm going to cheat. And, and, and people like cheating. People like having discussions about cheating. Everybody thinks, Hey, if you're not, if you're not cheating, you're not trying to win. So I have a case for why I think I should be able to take this guy because Andrew Barry acquired him immediately out of college. And if he was a seventh round pick, there'd be no doubt about it. Of course you can take this guy. He's worth in a seventh round pick. He's an eighth round pick, but he actually helps the Cleveland Browns win games. So I'm going to make the pick first and then you guys can reject it, but I'm going to take AJ green who was signed as an undrafted free agent after the 2020 draft has become a core special teams player, played 188 snaps on special teams last year and played corner the last two games last season. And I remember Scott Pasco talking about like, he was pretty good. So he wasn't on Dan's master list. I also looked at Hans, but Hans was like signed by another team and then let go. So no Hans. I considered James Hudson. I think James Hudson had a goofy first year, but he was thrown in in a way he should have been thrown in. I think it's possible James Hudson grows into a starting tackle in the NFL still, but AJ Green helped the Browns right now. It's not his fault. He didn't get drafted. So why shouldn't he be considered one of Andrew Barry's draft picks? So my secret pick is a guy who's, he's definitely going to make the team, right? Is there any doubt about that? He's like a core guy, helps out in the secondary. A.J. Green signed on May 5th, 2020 at the end of that draft. I'm looking around for a buzzer somewhere in my house and I can't find a <laughs> buzzer. <laughs> oh yeah. I can't find it. I can't find it, but I, I'm getting a big buzz on this. <laughs> I agree with you about A.J. Green. I mean, he definitely belongs. I mean, if we were ranking acquisitions mm. of, of Andrew Barry's, he absolutely, if we included undrafted rookies in here, 
then he absolutely belongs. Um, but we didn't do that. And his name wasn't on the list. And a case can be made, but this is just about Andrew Barry's draft picks. So I'm rejecting that. I don't know what anybody right. else thinks. That's one vote against me by Eric Case. No shot there. His coverage grade was 90, best on the team. Uh, obviously, he didn't have a huge sample size, but that's not nothing. That's elite, according to PFF. So that sounds like a yes from Scott Patsko. No, no, I'm sure. Sure. I'm, I'm with Eric K. On the technicalities, this was not a draft pick. That's hey. what we were drafting. Thank you, Ashley. They thought I, he was going to be this good. They should have drafted him. I also will. Re- I also will wow. reject this. Woohoo! Because I took Michael Woods before this. I have known <laughs> that I could take AJ Green. I might have taken him. Yeah, I don't know. Twelve. Yes. No. Not it's allowed. Not, I didn't. Yeah. I didn't. I didn't ask for the list. You sent yeah. out the list. I'm. I had my own list. He's on it. Any, like yeah, the, undrafted. How can, how can an undrafted player get selected in a draft of draft picks? <laughs> right. He can't. He can't. He cannot. But it was an interesting conversation, and he is a good player. And I think that they, you know, really view him as a valuable member of uh, the cornerback room and somebody that's going to get significant amount of reps outside this year um so he definitely is a good acquisition but not a draft pick and not what's what's a draft pick though a draft pick is somebody that you scouted in college and you're you're adding to your team because of what they did in college that's what aj green is it's somebody who did not play for anybody else in the nfl and it's it's somebody you just bring on to your roster straight out of college that's what I, AJ Green is. I was just going to say what I, I didn't think this is what you were going to do, Doug. I thought you were going to like take Amari Cooper or something and say, <laughs> well, with these draft picks, they swapped the sixth rounders and gave up a fifth round and got Amari Cooper. I thought that's for sure where you were going. So I'm not as mad at you as I thought I was going to be. That's progress. <laughs> Next week, we will do the draft pick and undrafted rookie <laughs> draft on Friday. So stick around for that. But, but he's not, he's never going to get his own draft. We're never going to do the all undrafted free agent acquisition draft. So if AJ's ever going to have his moment in the sun, it had to be this mm-hmm. even I'm like a streaker running through the world series, right? <laughs> I'm not really part of the game, but I'm just here to get attention for three seconds before the camera pants away. <laughs> All right, if I can, I'll take James Hudson then. I think James Hudson could be okay. Well, Nobody man, took Jerome a, Ford. That's Nobody a took down. I know. I mean, I like. Can you feel that? I mean, seriously, AJ <laughs> Green is as valuable. Tony Fields, fifth round pick. He's yeah, never but like, the point is, like, I would have probably taken AJ Green, but this is what Dan is saying. Like, Dan probably would have taken him at twelve, maybe. I would have considered him at fifteen if I knew he was eligible. Expand <laughs> your minds. Expand your minds. <laughs> well, the odds, the odds of AJ Green backing up last season this season have greatly decreased with the addition of Martin Emerson. Oh, I thought you were going to say with this, with this discussion, like when we, <laughs> We've when we gave too. that guy, when I made us give that guy play of the year, because he broke up a pass against the Steelers and he got cut three days. <laughs> Robert Jackson. Yeah. yeah. So, no, I, sorry. I think, I think he's firmly in the mix. And I actually think that, um, I mean, it does seem like Greg Newsom's going to play some, inside i think they're going to try to cross train martin emerson and have him play inside i see aj green more as just sort of a, more of an outside guy but i think they're all going to have to play inside and outside 
Um, but I, I think he's uh, definitely a key contributor. I do think it's a good thing for an organization, though, that they are willing to. And I don't, I don't remember the situation around AJ Green, but we've seen Andrew Barry do this, where they've identified somebody they want after the draft, and they go, they give them a pretty significant amount of money to choose the Browns, which is which is what the process is for the most part. It's it's a negotiation. The Tony Romo Cowboys story is awesome the way he he kind of leveraged jerry jones to get more money for no good reason but um there's like the idea that the browns are willing to go spend some money on a guy you know they hit with aj green you know curtis weaver well actually that was a guy they traded for that was different but um marvin wilson i believe marvin wilson was the guy that they gave a bunch of money to it didn't work but that's okay like go take a chance on these guys go pay these guys some money to come into camp see what they are and if they turn into AJ Green for a few years, or I mean, you got a couple quality years out of uh, Brienne Body Calhoun. There's undrafted guys that you can get production out of, and AJ Green. What if he's your starting slot corner this year? Again. Be a heck of a picket. Be a heck of a picket twenty if he is. <laughs> Except it's a pick that didn't count. Except that didn't count. Okay, so the pick I that tried. became. Man, Doug, I can't believe you took James Hudson over AJ Green. As soon as the locker rooms open. I'm going to go into the locker room. I'm going to tell AJ Green that I tried to take him in this draft. And then they're going to point across the locker room and say, All of See that. that guy over there with the floppy hair, he rejected <laughs> it. He said, I couldn't pick you. Fair enough. All right, there we go. Our uh, draft of Andrew Berry draft picks and one non-draft pick by Andrew Berry. Uh, appreciate everyone for listening. Uh, if we did a whole series. It was kind of an impromptu series on Andrew Barry drafts this week. So go back and listen uh, to that on your feed, either on Spotify or Apple podcast, make sure you're subscribed as well. So you're getting these right on your phone as soon as they publish. And of course, make sure you're a football insider subscriber, cleveland.com slash Browns, the blue banner at the top of the page. So for Doug, Ashley, Scott, Mary Kay, I'm Dan. Thanks for listening, everybody. 